0: Good morning, Veritas. How are we doing today? Great. Love to hear it. My name's Ryan. I'm on staff with the College Ministry Salt Company here. It is an honor to bring the word today. I'm going to start with maybe the easiest question ever asked from this stage, okay? So feel free to answer. Um, Does anybody here want to be blessed today? Yeah, sure. Totally, yeah. Everybody wants to be blessed. Does anyone here want God to work on their behalf? To shine his face upon you. To receive his favor. No doubt about it. Okay, now dream with me then. What would it look like if God were to bless you today? Would he heal you of an ailment that you've had? Uh, Would he heal a broken relationship in your life? Would he give you a new relationship that you've been waiting for or asking for? They give you a new car? Would you get the promotion? Would you get a lot more money? Like what would it look like if God were to bless you today? We all have an idea or a dream of kind of like what the God blessed life would actually look like for us. But do you know what I have a problem with a little bit? Is when I ask that, I I get this vision in my mind I can't seem to shake. And it's me up here sharing the stage with one of our Zambian brothers. And you ask us, what are the blessings of Recount to us all the ways that God has blessed your life. And you ask both of us. And so naturally, being a little slow to speak, or slow to listen, quick to speak, I go first. Um, I get to talk about all the ways that God has blessed my life. All the things he's given me. How my car runs, usually. How my house stays warm. How my church has toilets that work and running water. I am blessed. And everybody cheers and says, Amen. That's good. That's good. But then it's our Zambian brother's turn. What are the ways God has blessed you? He starts talking about sicknesses he has lived through, the suffering, all the things that he lost, but with a smile on his face. He says, He still has God. He still has God. And he says, I am blessed. What are we supposed to do with that? Like, am I, <laughs> like, should I be like, oh, actually, that's not the blessed life, man? And, like, do we need to correct him a little bit to say, no, 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 that's not actually blessing. Like, that's not the God bless-. Or is there a small part of us that for some reason kind of wants in on what he's got? The tension I feel this morning. If God were to say, if He were to say that the greatest blessing He could ever give us is just more of Himself, and that might come with the loss of a lot of other blessings, would we still want to be blessed by God? Like, really, if God wanted this morning to tweak your definition of blessing, would you let Him? And it sounds kind of funny almost, but the big question I think we're asking today is are you sure you want to be blessed by God? Are you sure you want to be blessed by God? So let's open our Bibles today Genesis 32. We've got a couple weeks left in Genesis. And we're going to be kind of going over a story, zooming in a bit on a guy named Jacob. Jacob, a guy who spent his entire life chasing blessing. You may have heard his story, but let me give you a couple highlights that lead us up to this point in chapter 32. Jacob was born like a good old Iowa boy wrestling, right? Even in the womb, Jacob wrestled his twin Esau. As Esau came out first, what was close behind? Jacob holding his heel, fighting for position, trying to be number one. The name Jacob, it literally means like heel grabber or deceiver, right? That's where he gets his name. And they have a very complicated relationship, uh, Jacob and his brother Esau. Um, it's not great. There comes a time when their father, he's lost sight, he's blind. Isaac, it's time for him to bless the firstborn. He's going to bless Esau. And with the help of his mother, Jacob actually slides in there, dresses himself up like Esau, puts on like literal animal fur, and, and like cooks Esau's favorite food so that his blind father will think that he is his firstborn. And sure enough, the trick works and he blesses him. He promises him all the land, all the inheritance, all the money, all this favor from God and with people. And the blessing is complete. And Esau is not cool with that, naturally. He was tricked. He was lied to. He was cheated and stolen from. And he makes a vow that he will kill Jacob. He will take his life from him because of all the things that he took from Esau. And so Jacob, with the advice of his parents, he gets out of town. He runs away from the problem. He goes to his uncle. He gets a wife. He gets two wives. He has a lot of kids, has a lot of slaves, gets into a lot of tussles and arguments with his new father-in-law. They trick one another back and forth to the point where Jacob, again, just has to bail. Again, he's out. He runs away. He takes his possessions, all of his wealth all of his wives and slaves and children, and he gets out of town, and where we come to in chapter 32, he is about to come to that dreaded day where he, 20 years later, is going to reunite with Esau, the one who swore to kill him. He's chased and cheated his way and a blessing his entire life, kind of living up to his name, the deceiver. But now he's about to come face to face with Esau, who 20 years before swore to kill him, And now he's got to be wondering, we should be wondering, what do any of these blessings matter? He'd gotten all he wanted in this life. He's taken it. But now, just hours from now, they could all be taken away because his brother has shown up with 400 men and an army. God did promise protection. He's met with Jacob. He's told him and promised him that he would take care of him and bless him. But Jacob's not going to gamble on that. He, kind, he believes God. He's got, he's got some faith, but he's not going to gamble his entire livelihood. And the breath in his lungs on just that, he's going to make an escape plan. Just in case Esau were to attack, he sends Esau all these gifts ahead of him, all this livestock and money. He's like, hopefully this will just make him a little less angry. And while he's doing that, he separates his family into two camps. So that just in case Esau does attack before they're ready, maybe maybe half of them will get away and have their lives spared. And now we pick it up, he is all alone. And God has something to say. So this is where we pick it up. Let's read Genesis 32, starting in verse 24. It says this, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed Then Jacob said to him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel. For I've seen God face to face. He said, yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Peniel, limping because of his hip. That is why still today the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket. Because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle okay pretty weird story plenty of question marks kind of running around in our head but a lot of really really cool stuff here jacob is all alone all the noise has died down his families are on his contingency plans are in place and out of nowhere he is jumped by some guy look at verse 24 jacob was left all alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak this man was the one who initiated the fight He's the one who initiated the scrap, and at first, it seems, for at least a few hours here, that it was a very even match. But then we see the stranger, this guy, he was definitely holding back. He definitely had something in his back pocket that he was holding to himself. The fight has gone on long enough, he thinks. It was just the simple reach out and tap on the hip, pop, dislocation, excruciating pain, with just a touch. Who is this guy? Well, this guy, Jacob knows now beyond a shadow of a doubt, is God himself. This is what the Bible will call like a theophany, right? Like like God taking on human flesh to meet with people. And Jacob thought maybe that he was gonna spend the night praying. Right? Like he is going to kind of Hedge his bets a little bit more. Like, yeah, my strategies are in place. That's good. But I'm going to add on some prayers maybe to the top of that to see if God will bless me, to see if God will defeat Esau for me and save me and my family and my riches. But what he got instead of just a one-way conversation with God is he got to fight. He got to fight. Fight where God himself would severely wound him. Why? Because this blessing that God had for him this night, guys, can only come through someone who has real painful wounds. I got to ask, are we sure we want God's blessing today in God's way? Because the first thing we see here is that blessing may come through a wound. Blessing may come through a wound, okay? And at first we read that, we hear that, we're like, that's a mean God. Like, (laughs) that doesn't make any sense. But I think it does, and I, I think we all do kind of understand the principle here. Like, we don't disagree with this. I think to some extent, everyone here is not afraid. We are willing to wrestle and go through pain for what we want most in life, right? Like, you want to get ripped, you want to get jacked, you, you destroy yourself in the gym, right? You want to get that career and make that money, you spend an unnatural amount of hours in study. Like, I, I know there are college students here I, by name who have like waited at 4 a.m. at Kinnick Stadium just trying to get front row seats for a football game. Like, you will inconvenience yourself and hurt yourself and do all of these things to get what you value most in life. You already know how much pain you're willing to absorb to get what you want most. And what his loving God wanted for Jacob was for him to wake up even if it meant severe pain. C.S. Lewis talks about pain like this. He says, we can ignore pleasure, but pain, pain insists upon being attended to. Right? God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciousness, but shouts in our pains. I love this. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So you think about your own story. All the wounds that you have in your life. When you think about that sudden loss that came out of nowhere. And think about that sickness. Think about that brokenness in your family. The friendships that have been so fractured that you can't speak anymore. Think about that disability that you think has held you back your entire life. How do you view those things? How do you think about them? How do you deal with them? Like, do you see them just as a curse, like a punishment in your life? Or do you see God using them? Like, if I told you that God loves you enough to wound you and that every single ounce of pain that you have gone through has a purpose, would you believe me? How would your perspective change? Would that wound push you closer Lean in deeper into God. Or would it kind of force you to say, I'm out. I'm going to run away from God. I'm going to go get my own blessing in my own way. Well, look at the story. What does it do to Jacob? What does this struggle and this wound do to him? Look back again at verse 26. He, God, he said to Jacob, let me go for his daybreak. Like The sun's come up, you cannot handle to see any more of my face. I am holy. It'd be in your interest to let me go. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. By this point, Jacob knows that this is not just a normal guy he's wrestling with. When he demands to bless him, Jacob is really acknowledging who has won the fight. Who's in charge. The greater blesses the lesser. That's how blessing works, right? And God is greater. And I want us to see two really, really cool things here in this fight. I want to see Jacob's grip and Jacob's confession, okay? Look at Jacob's grip. God's telling him to let him go as the sun is rising. And what does Jacob do? He latches on with white knuckle grip to his God. Right, Jacob has spent his entire life, guys, accumulating, just grabbing whatever blessing he could find. His hands were full of money. Wives, children, safety, fame, renown, everything. But now, his hands have been completely emptied. Emptied except for what? For his God. His hands are empty except for holding on to God. Jacob had to let go of every other blessing in this moment because he realized the thing, the one thing or the one person that he has been looking for his entire life has found him and submitted him. Jacob's grip is amazing. Look at Jacob's confession. The Lord asked the nearly crippled Jacob what his name was, and he answers him. Right, Unlike his blind father asking him, who are you? And he says, Esau. Weaseling his way into more blessing. This father he knows sees everything. And he tells him, I'm Jacob. But you can hear him saying, In confession, I am a deceiver. This is exactly who I am. I've lied and cheated and weaseled my way throughout this entire life. And that name Jacob, that's exactly who I am. And it's haunted me my entire life. But there's no more running and there's no more hiding. And what does God do in return? He gives him a new name. He gives him no longer deceiver. That's not who you're going to be. Your name is going to be Israel because you have struggled and wrestled and grappled with man and with God. And you have prevailed. Prevailed. Okay, that's a weird word here. You wouldn't really expect that because last I checked, one of the guys is crying out in pain, literally crying. Hosea 12 confirms Jacob cried as his hip is popped out. But Jacob's prevailing here was not winning a fight in the traditional sense. It actually looked a lot like losing one. Right? Jacob's prevailing wasn't him beating God in submission and getting what he wanted. Jacob's prevailing was his death grip on the only blessing he ever needed God meeting him where he was at, not letting him run away to bless him. And after this, Jacob can never stay the same. But I want to ask are we sure we want God's blessing? Because it seems that blessing may come with radical life change. Not just accumulating to make your life more comfortable, make your life better. But It might actually come with radical life change. Have you ever been blessed by God in this way? Like where God actually changes you. Have you ever stopped running from God just long enough to have an honest moment and honest conversation with him? Or have you ever gone from using God like a stepping stone, like a tool just to get the things that you really want most in life. To having experience with God where you realize he is the one that you really want. And maybe it's not the name deceiver that's haunted you your whole life like Jacob. Maybe the, the title, the word, the reputation that has followed you around your entire life is impure. And that's what you're known by. Maybe it's inadequate that you're a loser. You're never, you're never good enough. You're never going to measure up to that person. You're never going to reach your potential. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe that's how you're known. Maybe it's lazy, apathetic sloth. Maybe the name you've been known for that you've been trying to hide your entire life is addict. You feel the weight of those chains on you every single day. Maybe it's cheater. I don't know. But maybe you hear that and you feel it haunting you and you think you deserve it. Because maybe you actually do. But have you ever had that moment where God Himself, where God Himself actually convinces you that He can change that about you? That there is no name, no title no haunting behind you that he cannot transform himself. And no, you don't really need to step in the ring exactly like Jacob did here. You don't need to wrestle all night, but you do need what this whole story is pointing to. You need the cross. You need the cross where God made himself weak and he lost so that you could actually win. You need the cross where Jesus wrestled and Jesus was wounded so that by his wounds, people like me, people like you, people like Jacob could actually be healed. I wanna encourage you this morning, just stop running. Stop running. Like, don't be afraid to be alone with God, to look at Jesus on the cross and don't you get up from that spot until you have latched onto him, white knuckle grip in faith. If God has wounded you and wrestled you up to this moment in your life, why not let today be the day that you let go of everything else so you can hold on to the cross? What blessing is there? What would your life look like to receive God's blessing in his way? What would it look like? What would it look like for us to just kind of drop everything and run after Jesus wholeheartedly? Well, ironically... If we look at the story, it might not actually look like much of a run at all, right? It might actually look a little bit more pathetic than a run, but it will be the most blessed life possible. Look at verse 31. If there's any verse that you were going to write down, any verse you're going to memorize or think about as you leave here, let it be. Verse 31, it says this, the sun shone on him as he passed by Peniel, limping because of his hip. Blessing may leave you with a limp. That name Peniel, he calls this place like the face of God. And so it's literally saying the sun shone on Jacob as he passed by the face of God, limping because of his hip. Here's our wrestler stumbling his way towards his vengeful brother. Wounded, tired, probably plenty of questions, wondering what in the world just happened, but he's full of faith and he's more blessed than he has ever been in his entire life. And what is our vision as a church to see this stumbling man who's been confronted by God? It's really exciting. And it's really, really simple. We need to realize, church, that limping with God is better than running in the opposite direction. Limping with God is so much better than running with two good legs in the other direction. We need to believe 2 Corinthians 12 that says, when we are weak, then we are strong because we have his grace. We have more of God's favor. And if even the hardest things, the worst nightmares in your life come true, yet they push you deeper into the Lord and you receive more grace, you win. We need to get excited about being a limping church, right? Like limp on Veritas. That's our anthem as we leave here. That's it. I wanna leave you with three ways that we can be a limping and blessed church, guys, right? I want us to limp on with honesty. Like we see that in Jacob's story. What a turning point for him. As a church, we, like starting with the stage, we don't need to feel like we should be impressive. We don't need to be a full speed church, efficient and polished, And I hope you see that up here, but I hope that kind of like also encourages you that even in like connection groups, even as you do life and friendship and relationship with one another, you don't have to be like that to each other either. Like you can actually be honest. You can actually show your limp. You can actually confess sin with one another. You can be real because you know that the other people are just like you in this room (laughs) and that they will, Lord willing, be faithful to point you to Jesus on the cross even when especially when we are real and confess our sin to one another and turn away from that together limp on with honesty but also limp on with generosity this one's great what what way is the world tell you like to white knuckle your life more than money like seriously if what you have earned this you need this this is your security this is your happiness this is your joy don't let go of your money and what we just saw this morning was a worship service where you said no <laughs> Like, be commended, Veritas. Like, no, I'm not gonna believe that lie. I'm gonna give freely because I have been given so much more than I know what to do with. I have been blessed. And so I do not need to white-knuckle anything but the Lord. Limp on with generosity because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then finally, limp on pursuing relationships and friendships where there's brokenness. How does this story end? Where does it go next? Next. Let me read you the next couple verses in Genesis 33. After he passed by the face of God, Peniel, limping, says Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming toward him with 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two slave women. He put the slaves and their children first, Leah and her children next, Rachel and Joseph last. Then he himself went on ahead where it was most dangerous. And he bowed to the ground seven times until he approached his brother. But Esau, he ran to meet him. He hugged him. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him and they wept. Because we can't control the outcome of broken relationships. Like we can't guarantee that every broken relationship in your life will end like this moment where you're hugging and running and kissing and crying together, like Jacob and Esau. We can't control that. But we can limp with humility towards one another in love. We can humbly pursue people, and that is a place that I want to be. Not a place that pressures you to always put your best foot forward, but to just smile and limp around together. Humble enough to give grace where it's needed and just bear with one another in love. Veritas, if it's a limp that slows you down, if it's a limp that slows us down, and that's what keeps us following behind Jesus, there is no place in the world that you would rather be in the light of his face. And so are we sure we want to be blessed by God? Absolutely. Let's pray for that. God, thank you so much for loving us. Loving us so much that you would not be afraid to stop us in our tracks, to wake us up, and to show that you have given us everything. God, thank you for the cross that that just says, here's a new name that we don't need to be defined by our sins and our mistakes in the past anymore, God, but we could be defined by a new name, that we could be called sons and daughters of the Most High, that you love us, and you want us to be a people that reflect that love to one another, God. So would you, even in our limbs, even in our brokenness and our wounds, God, would you strengthen us? Would you give us joy? Would you shine your face upon us? And as we continue in worship, And watch these stories about that happening to people over and over again. God, would you lift our spirits and make us the church and the people that you want to be. In your name, amen.